welcome to series two of On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary. And Alice Catherine. Before we get into uh, episode one of series two of On the Outskirts, um, we just wanted to highlight that this series will be a little bit different. We've got no sort of set structure for this as we're recording um, under very different circumstances um, because of coronavirus. Um, so we've been racking our brains to think of how we can be more helpful and use this platform in a helpful way to you guys. Um, there's no doubt that uh, 2020 has felt particularly heavy. And with this in mind, um, we would like to dedicate the each episode and the show notes of each episode to a charity uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to be talking about that charity for the whole of the episode um but it's just a way for us to highlight something important each week um and you know leave a list of useful resources for you guys in the show notes we're both aware of the privilege we have with this platform um so we hope that, that this will be useful for you guys um and yeah so this week, in light of the recent death of George Floyd and the subsequent protests in America and the rest of the world, um, we want to start the series off by acknowledging this um, and, and supporting um, the Black Lives Matters movement and supporting anti-racism. Um, so we, we've provided you guys um, a whole load of useful resources in the show notes. Um, so there's charity links in there, there's petitions, um, and there's also a anti-racism doc in there, which has got a whole load of books, podcasts, um, and more. So if you do want to educate yourself on, on this, um, and we think it's really important if you find the time to do so, then yeah, give that a little look. And also just to add that, um, we think it's really important to keep this conversation going. Um, and so next week we're going to be um, speaking about this um, in full in a full episode because we realize um that this is a small offering you know just putting it in the show notes for this episode so yeah we just want to talk about it in in greater length with you guys um we're going to be researching it more ourselves because we've got so much to learn um and um so much to take in and so i think once we've sort of absorbed that information um, we can come back and have a, a much clearer conversation about it. And yeah, I just want to add, um, please make sure you check the show notes if you're looking for immediate ways that you can help uh, what's going on in the world right now. And we will be back, obviously, next week with a full episode. And for now, we hope you enjoy uh, the first episode of Series 2. Enjoy! social interaction I've had in a long while how are you I'm good yeah um I first just want to say that um obviously we're recording this series under very different circumstances so we're recording this remotely so um apologies if there's any issues with the sound uh we're just gonna sort of learn as we go along with this um but yeah this is not how we expected to be recording 
um, the second series, which we kind of started to promote pre-lockdown. Um, and we had great intentions of recording as we did last time, but we're not in the same circumstance anymore. <laughs> We've sort of played it by ear. Um, and at the moment, I think we're, as the government restrictions stand, we're allowed to see, is it six people now? Um, but so at socially distance. Um, so we've just decided that we think it's going to be a lot easier for us to record this remotely. So we're doing it just over Skype. Um, so yeah, we hope the quality is going to be okay. Um, and we'll do our best to make sure that we're doing everything we can so that you guys can actually hear this. <laughs> yeah, we're just not making it up as we go along. But we're definitely it's yeah, we're learning, aren't we as we go? Yeah. And the second thing to point out, I guess, is that we've been chatting about how to sort of go forward with series two obviously pre-lockdown um we were going to sort of do the same thing as series one and have set topics per episode and it would have been a lot more structured but now we feel like we just want this to be a catch-up with you guys um and just really chatty and we'll just see how the weeks go by and what we have to talk about each week um so yeah it's just going to be really informal this series I think yeah and it will kind of change per episode obviously um uh, you know as circumstances change or you know something comes up but yeah we just thought um with the current circumstance we're in with the um with the pandemic it would just be really nice to treat this as a way of sort of having like almost a cultural catch-up so talking about you know how we've been using our times from books to series to films to how we've been maintaining our wellness um our mental health so all of that will kind of cover um, and, yeah, I guess give you guys um, a bit of food for thought if, you know, you want to take um, any of the, um, the suggestions on board. Um, yeah. yeah, keep it informal. Keep it light because I think that's what we all kind of need right now. Yeah. What have you been watching? Because I feel like we've not really caught up about this, have we? So what have you been occupying yourself with? So I've been using this time to kind of, um, I've been really, I feel like I've been really rubbish with TVs and series. So I feel like my answers are going to be really rubbish this because I've actually been catching up on series that other people got really het up, het up about that I hadn't watched. So things like Dr. Foster we've been watching and um, Line of Duty. So all those things that everyone else is probably really over now we've been watching. Um, well, problem isn't it with these overhyped shows sometimes they're so overhyped that you think oh god there's so much so many episodes to get through and you just don't really realistically have the time to sit down and dedicate because especially with something like line of duty you just want to watch the next one straight away don't you oh so I feel like now is a perfect time to do that really yeah, so I feel like I'm gonna start we finished line of duty now so next week I'm gonna dedicate to like a bit more newness in my life now I've got that out of the way so yeah this episode I'm gonna be really rubbish because I feel like my suggestions are a bit crap because people probably have already have watched them <laughs> um, but have you been watching any any newness anything that you can you can send my way I watched normal people like the rest of the world you watched it as well didn't you Course. Um, I feel like we don't really need to add to the noise with that. We've both said what we think about that on social media. Obviously, it's just beautifully done. Um, so much better than I could have imagined. Um, and yeah, I think two actors in it going to have a crazy ride after all this is over. I think oh, this is going to. It must feel like a com 
it must feel really jarring to be in lockdown and then to have all of this hype going on and there's nothing yeah. you can kind of like it must just feel like a completely out of but then when they've been going to the shops they've been getting hounded or whatever probably I've seen a few like paparazzi pictures and it must just be a really really strange experience especially because it's probably gonna go fast forward a million times you know quicker than usual when lockdown's lifted um because they'll be getting all these offers and stuff so yeah I, I did think about that I, I was thinking there must be a real there must be a real um worry that you don't want to get forgotten about in this time pessimist <laughs> no but yeah like I and I feel like obviously um, it's so hard for them to even celebrate the success of it as well. Like in um, a less pessimistic way, I guess it has been bigger because of the fact we're all stuck inside yeah. um, and everybody's talking about it because and watching it and fast at a faster rate than they normally would. So it has actually been, you know, this time stuck indoors has been great for sort of sharing art and content and it blowing up bigger than it might have done usually, which is great. Yeah, and sort of taking stock on because I'm really guilty of this. You know, there's I love like I love film, I, lo I love reading, um, but sometimes life takes over, doesn't it? So I think yeah. it's been really great to take stock um, on the things I love and actually sort of reignite my love for them a bit. I uh, know I've definitely done that with reading, but we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, but yeah, with normal people, it was just a book which I held really dear. It was so nice to see it kind of get the recognition it I'm actually going to go as far to say that I probably enjoyed, I do love Sally Rooney's writing and everything she stands for and I think she's incredible, but I probably actually enjoyed the series more than I enjoyed the book. I thought the book was incredible, but I thought the series, maybe it's not right to say I enjoyed it more because they're two completely different um, forms of art and forms of expression, but there was definitely just something that felt more real about the I guess because you're seeing it visibly acted out in front of you I don't know I just thought it was done so well and so uniquely like I hadn't really been touched um <laughs> I, hadn't really been touched. I hadn't really been touched like that by something since Fleabag I don't think yeah no and I get it's it's funny because I always think with with books and um adaptations of film or tv adaptations it's always that debate of what what comes first the chicken or the egg like is it best to read the book first or is it best to watch the tv show first and I think I found I was so nervous before watching normal people because the book I read the book in um, a train journey to London and a train journey back from London in the space of it was like two days um because I just couldn't I just really took it on board and afterwards I, I felt like after the book I kind of mourned the characters like I, I missed them so I was really nervous about watching the tv show and it, it did such a great job but it's weird because my mum and my sisters absolutely loved the tv show and then read the book and it was kind of weird they they read the book I think because they were hoping to get more out of Connell and, and Marion I think um a lot, I've seen a lot of people say that and I think it is just that age-old case of like sometimes the hype ruins things um because there, there is a lot of questions I think of surrounding Marianne's character you do feel like you want a bit more about why she is the way she is and why why her family treat her the way they do and um you know just a bit more depth 
in her maybe family life maybe I feel like that there's a lot of sort of things at the end where you're like oh I'd, I'd like to know a bit more about that or um but then I think it's also open to interpretation as well isn't it yeah and I think because they are because you you really emotionally invest in both the characters and you can identify with their situation the fact that it doesn't have that happy ending sorry spoiler alert mm-hmm. um you're just thirsty to know more about them because you're so heavily invested in this like real love for one another I guess it's redefining what we class as a happy ending as well though because there is this sense that oh people need to end up together to be you know for us to like take comfort in this happy ending but it's a happy ending in the sense that they want the best for each other therefore they do encourage each other to go off and have these life experiences that mean they're going to be living away from each other so there's something happy in that pain as well um that's kind of nice because it's kind of we I guess we don't need to see we need to as viewers I think understand that we can't always have everything wrapped up in a neat little bow and I think that's what I always want sometimes but life is not like that is it so yeah and it's kind of it's a true it's a true love story isn't it and yeah your first love isn't the love that you carry for the rest of your life is it for some people it is but for some people it's not and I think yeah it was nice as well because I think in the book there was so much likability in Connell I really liked uh, Marianne as well but I found that the tv series made me love her more yeah, they empathise with her more than I had done in the book, which was nice. But I think she she was more like she was more nuanced. Like you could see the different sides of the personality and her facial expressions, and you could see she was a really thoughtful person, um, and that she cared for people. Or sometimes in the book, I think she came across a bit cold, and I didn't really understand why she was so cold. Yeah, she's quite abrasive, isn't she? Yeah. And even with Connell, she's like, oh, okay. It, it was kind of like when he mistreats her in school it's awful and you're kind of on her side and then as the book progresses you're a bit like oh you're so she's very cutthroat isn't she I related to that in her in a way that sometimes in the moments where you are bubbling with emotion and you feel like you can't express yourself that those are the times when you do come across as bitchy or cold or difficult and you you push people away and I think that's a part of um growing up that a lot of people um relate to yeah you're only human and it's everything's a lesson isn't it anyway I said we weren't going to add to the noise of, um... I know and then we just have what I will say is because I just want to put the feelers out there and like ask the universe please can they make an adaptation of conversations with friends as well by Sally Rooney because I think I sort of seen a few things going around saying it's potentially in the works Ooh, good um, I also watched um, The Last Dance, um, which is a basketball documentary on Netflix. With I think I've been mad for this. It's great. Have you, has you, have you or Joe watched it? No, but so many people have told us that we've got to. But I am I going to sound like every other person when I say I feel like I don't know enough about basketball? Do you think I do? Do you? Do you... <laughs> I know I said that. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what impression I've given you over the course of this friendship, but... Uh... <laughs> Tell me about it. Sell it to me. So everyone was raving about it. So it was the same sort of thing, like, oh, I don't know if if, I'll, if there's anything for me there, blah, blah, blah. But it, I got gripped by it. It's the way it's filmed is is really clever because it's just really dramatic. And um, 
I actually was lucky enough to go to um, a basketball game. Sam booked his tickets when we went to New York. Um, it was just a really, it was an off-season game, not an important game. I think it was the Knicks, Bradley. someone else, yeah. But what I didn't realise about basketball when I watched it is that most of the game happens, I mean, don't quote me on this, I probably people who are into basketball will be cringing at me now, but a lot of the sort of pivotal moments of the game happen in the last, I think it's three or four minutes. And then every 10 seconds or so, they'll stop it and then it'll start again. So that last four or five minutes of the game feels so intense um, and long. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really exciting as well. And you're like on the edge of your seat a bit. Um, and you see a lot of that in the documentary. Um, it follows the um, Chicago Bulls, the team that Michael Jordan played for. Got that wrong, I'm so sorry, but the team that Michael Jordan played for. <laughs> and um, it just shows about him and his like celebrity and how he was really this like pivotal player of the team and he controlled a lot of what the team did and how good he affected how good they were and you're only as good as your players, your best player type of thing. And it was just really, really interesting. And then it was like, it showed a bit of their life off screens as well. Um, and just how they were a massive part of like sporting history. And it, it was just, it was just really, really interesting. I just think it was, very, it's, it was very well done. And then it shows them speaking now, all the players um, where they are now and like adding bits, bits of commentary throughout the documentary. Um, but it was just so impressive. I just, I'm really impressed by athletes and um, people who dedicate their lives to sport and stuff because it just goes there's an episode in particular where he gets food poisoning Michael Jordan and he's got this massive game to play the next day and he turns up after throwing up all night and stuff and he's dripping with sweat every time they have like a break in the game and he's sat down he's like dripping with sweat but he, every time he goes back onto the court he just finds this like strength from somewhere to carry on and he like wins the game and it's just like oh the level of dedication isn't it first to being sick and be like no sorry <laughs> just like I think in terms of dedication there's so many ways you can apply that documentary to other things and it was just really powerful to see how dedicated you have to be I have heard that um and like I said like so many people have recommended it to me and I feel so silly being like, oh, but I don't like basket basketball because there's so many documentaries you watch which aren't applicable to your taste levels. Um, but there's something about sport when you don't like sport. You sort of switch off, don't you? Like, nope, not for me. Um, it's your average sports documentary, not that there's many of them that I've watched. Um, it's very like, I don't know, it's very like you see the glitz and glamour side of it and... Um, you just you just really get to know like the players and their different personalities and yeah it's, it's just really good I definitely recommend it I don't want to add any more spoilers but... it's not just about Michael Jordan no not just about Michael Jordan no it's it's about the team that he played for um I mean he speaks in it a lot but so do the other players um and it's about how maybe he there's a lot of parts of his personality I guess that were like unlikable um, and he himself says in it, oh, people are going to watch this and just think I was an absolute tyrant. But, you know, this is what I needed to do to make this team the best it could be and to play my the best I could play. Yeah. It's just this really interesting divide, you know, like his experience of being this player and having to be this tough player and dedicate his life to that. But then also, you know, you see the more like human side of him as well. It was just really, really interesting. I think you definitely love it. Um, I didn't expect to love it so much. Especially because he's like a brand, isn't he? Like, it, well, he's like a 
he's a brand of football. Um, but like it's I guess it's the same thing with um David Beckham. They're like larger than life, aren't they? They're beyond sportsmen in a way. And it's the same with, with him. There's a part in it where they talk about his dad. His dad was murdered. Um wow. he was, okay. I didn't know uh, that murdered on the side of on the side of the road I think he was driving somewhere and he pulled over and he was killed and it discusses and sheds light on that and how that affected um him as a celebrity and there was a lot of blame towards him um yeah there's just there's so much to unpack within it it's not just about basketball so I would stress that (laughs) yeah no we have got it as one of the one of the ones to watch the problem with I found with trying to catch up with TV I hadn't watched before is that it's like a domino effect. Now I'm catching up on other stuff as well. Like I feel I'm just chasing my tail this entire time. Um, but yeah, it is on my list to watch. You know, there's there's going to be loads of TV shows that we would like that we don't get a chance to watch. You've just got to sort of cherry pick them, I guess. Yeah. Um, also, we had um, Sam had a free trial of Apple TV, so we watched a couple of series on there that I feel like haven't been getting enough um, attention because they're on Apple TV, yeah. which I feel like it's really annoying if you don't have it. But I'm sure there's a way to get a free trial because Sam has it for some reason. I don't know if it came with the fact he's just got a laptop or yeah. what. But if you can, you have to watch Defending Jacob and Servant. Both really good um, thrillers. Defending Jacob is based on a book. I haven't read the book, um, but I know there's some major differences from the book to the series, which makes me think there might be a few more series coming. Um, But it's about a family, a father and mother, and their son, their young son, is accused of murdering um one of his school friends um and it's about the trial and the way he's treated by the media and at the end well I'm not going to say what happens at the end because that's going to ruin everyone isn't it but um there's a lot of sort of open-ended stuff and it's it's a lot to do with it brings up major themes of um the lengths that parents will go to to defend their child even when they're maybe not sure themselves if they're innocent I just thought it was really interesting so well done um, Chris Pine is in it. He plays the father, and he's amazing. And then also, I forgot what he's called, but the um, dad from Juno, and he's also in. Um, yeah, um, he's in it as well. He's great in it. But yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'm googling as we're talking here because that will really bug me. Keep on talking. Servant, <laughs> which is um, it's another sort of thriller, but. I saw you talk about this on um, on your Instagram stories. It's very binge-worthy and um, it's very, very creepy, I will say that. And um, it is quite upsetting in parts as well. Um, it deals with um, a mother who, her, her newborn baby died. She left it out in the car um, on a very hot summer's day and forgot to take it out of the car um so the baby died and she didn't realize until a day later and you know obviously this is a woman that's dealing with postnatal depression um and a woman that's drifting in and out of consciousness and reality um but anyway she um her therapist suggests that she has this doll I, i don't know if this is a a therapy that's real or not but i'm pretty sure that it is she's given this doll that replicates the baby that she lost 
um, and the hope is that this baby will um, that she'll let go of this baby when she comes to the you know realization in her head that her own baby is gone and that she can't bring it back and she needs to work on um, accepting that grief um, but the reason they go to that length is because she ends up sort of paralyzed by the grief and she can't move, she can't talk. Um, so this baby is sort of like a last resort. Anyway, she sits down with her husband one night and she says, I'm you know- I'm really like on the edge of my seat here, by the way. I feel like I haven't said anything Because I'm just like, yeah. She sits down with her husband one day and says, I want to get a nanny for this baby, um, for this doll. And her husband's like, oh, I, I don't know whether to go with this or not. I don't know if I'm enabling you spiraling out of control here or whether I should or not and anyway he agrees to it and this girl comes over this very young girl I think she's about I think she's under 20 like 19 and anyway she starts treating the baby like it's real and then one day on the monitor the dad's downstairs and he hears cries and he goes up and looks in the cot and the baby's real and it's their baby and it's alive and he's just like what the hell is happening is he now believing the baby is real well no he is so well done there's a lot of sort of supernatural elements to it as well like it's it starts off in one way and then it very quickly goes into another way and it's like you know who is this girl is she is she a runaway is she a runaway single mum who's bought this baby in in a briefcase that she arrives with and yeah. she's replaced it thinking she's doing a good thing and that she's got a rich family to help her bring up her own child um that's sort of one thing that's suggested um and then a lot of I don't want to give too many spoilers but a lot of people from her life start turning up a lot of very strange characters and there's all this like so, this sort of supernatural side of it as well um but just watch it I think it's probably one of the Sam sort of said he felt like there wasn't enough answers at the end and there's not but I think apparently it's been commissioned for five more series okay so they've got long to go with it yeah, but it's. It, I was just on the edge of my seat watching it. It's so creepy. It's so unlike anything else. And I thought the the whole premise of it was so unique. Um, yeah, and the actors in it are incredible as well. I can't remember. I can't remember the names, but um, Rupert Grint is in it, I think. Um, Juno's dad, J.K. Simmons, by the way. Yeah. Um, just reminded me. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But just throw this in. Um, something that I watched. Um which was made in 2016 but I like you said I'm only just like fig like coming across all these things that I missed um years ago I watched a series I think it was on BBC iPlayer called Rillington Place have you seen it no um it's got Jodie Comer in it um and it focuses on um the murderer John Christie and it was absolutely, I was like on the edge of my seat and I've never been creeped out more. I, I don't know what the, who the actor is that um, plays him. I probably should have written down some notes for this, but I've never been more creeped out by a um, portrayal of a serial killer online. He is fantastic. <laughs> um, and it's just, again, if you're into sort of thrillers and um, crime stuff, it, it was great. It was really, really good. So creepy. He was, um, I'm not sure if it was in... I think it was before the 60s because it's during the war. Um, I think he was killing people and killing um, young women, I should say, and keeping them in the walls of his house. And he was also um, a necrophiliac. Um, so it gets obviously really dark. Um, but he got away with killing all these women. And his wife knew for a large proportion 
um, of their marriage and just it's all about that as well and how she just kind of turned the other way because she was desperately she desperately just wants to be loved by him um, and it was just yeah great TV so I definitely recommend that it's another one you'd love I think as well it sounds definitely I always feel weird saying that something that dark sounds like my cup of tea but <laughs> yeah you know me well I would love that it was in the 50s and it was it was this, this famous address, 10 Rillington Placing, Notting Hill in London. That's That was the flat where all this happened. Um, so it's based on a true story. Murdered at least eight people. And then there was some that were uncounted for, um, including his wife as well. Yeah, that does stand out my street. And to be honest, we were kind of um, toying with the idea of getting Apple Apple Play because there's it looks like there's so much good stuff on there and mm-hmm. um, like there's the one with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon's the good good morning um good morning America is it or um so yeah um but to be honest I've kind of been um dedicating my attention to books because before lockdown I just found that I'd gotten a bit of a, a funk with reading where I was trying to read um, Daisy Jones and the Six, which people had recommended to me that I would absolutely love. And I should have, I, I, well, I did love in the end, but I should have loved straight away. Um, and I just couldn't get into it. You know, I just kind of lost my reading mojo. I, I read the plot of that and I was just like, I don't know, I'm not, I don't enjoy, is, is it about music, but it's not real? It's Yeah, so it's kind of done. Like, so it's like, um, so it's, um, it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid and it's about, it's kind of done in the way as if it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. So it's um, someone uh, who you kind of find out who they are at the end is doing all of this research on um, what this this fictitious biggest band in the world that had this like amazing legendary album and then mysteriously broke up. And so they want to get to the bottom of why that happens. And the story is laid out as interviews um, from different characters. And it's to be, it's so well done. It's, it, it, I, I was a bit the same. I kept being recommended this book and I was like, yeah, the vibe is my, is definitely my thing, but I'm not sure that the premise of how it's, I don't, I, I, in terms of like band culture and like groupies and things like that, I, I prefer to watch documentaries on that stuff. It's not necessarily, it's something I don't necessarily enjoy reading about, but I, I mean, it has been hyped up so much. So it's obviously, there's obviously something there. Yeah. And it's very almost famous. Like it's definitely got that kind of, you know, really glorifies, you know, the whole, the whole groupie seventies thing um and it it is very much along that vein it's amazing I just at the time I, I, I don't know my head just wasn't in it um but I, when I finally got into it in lockdown I definitely enjoyed it and was through it but yeah I've just been reading a lot so I just finished a book called Blood Orange by Harriet Tease T-Y-C-E which is uh, a few people have been talking about on Instagram I've seen recently, which is amazing. And if you need like, I hate calling a book an easy read because I always think that doesn't do it justice. Do you find that? Like, oh, it's an easy it's read. Like what an easy read is. I think sometimes, I think we need those. I, for one, need a book like that in between reading something that is maybe a bit more hard hitting and harder to digest because... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it puts you off. Like reading, reading is if you want to read consistently, you have to mix it up, don't you, for your own mental health as well. Completely. So before, um, 
fast forward before or rewind even rewind fast forward who knows but before <laughs> blood orange i i read in the seven um the seven deaths of evelyn hardcastle which is an incredible book so well written can't recommend it enough and it's a very um it's kind of got that agatha christie kind of um who done it vibe to it um but it's also got like a fantasy element to it um and i think by saying that it's going to make people switch off if you don't like fantasy but you should read it because i don't particularly like fantasy and it's a in- really incredible book but it's confusing that really, really- like you describing that sounds like a book i read called where the crawdads sing and it's by delia owens um and it's one of the again i would say that is quite an easy read um but it was a, it was it was such a beautiful book and i feel like it, it really it's it's really ignited my spark to want to read other things now, um, which I was really lacking at the start of lockdown. I just felt really just flat with everything. Couldn't concentrate on a page, let alone a paragraph. That's the bit that frustrates me more than it's counterproductive. Is the fact when you start when you read a page and then you go, I don't know what I've just read there. Yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> but it's about. Um, I feel like again when I describe it, it's it's um it's sort of a a crime. It's a it's a, a crime happens, but it's not it's not like a crime novel. It's like it's more to do with the young girl um, Kaya who lives in this marsh, uh, and she's abandoned by her family. And it's a lot of I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but it's more to do with a story. I thought it was more to do with a story um, about isolation and real loneliness, what it means to be re- really lonely. Um, and it sort of flicks between two tenses. So it flicks between the police who are trying to get to the bottom of this case because there's a murder that's going on. And then it flicks between her life in the marsh where she's growing up in, um, I can't remember if it's North or South Carolina now. Um, and there's all this beautiful imagery of the marsh and you almost forget that there's even a crime going on. It flicks back again and then you're like, oh, and I think that that's really a testament to how well it's written because there's a lot of romantic elements to it and um, really beautiful um, bits in it about loneliness and family and um, how much she's sort of brought up by the nature around her. I, I feel like I've not really done it justice there, but yeah, it's it's a really good, really good book. And I think I agree with you. I think, especially with, um, I found that with the seven deaths of um, Evelyn Hardcastle, I think what I've really needed in lockdown, and it sounds quite similar to what you just said, is an immersive book, yes. a book where like you feel like you are taken away. Well, I think every book should do that in, in, in some form, but a book that really makes you feel like you can fully imagine it in colour in your head and you are in a completely different place. Um, yeah, because it's yeah. a different type of education that you get from that. It's like emotional education and I don't know it's like you can always I I think in in most books that you connect with you can almost see yourself in it somewhere or there's something that you relate to and um yeah I just felt like that book was so well done um yeah that's my my next up after my current read but um yeah I I digress from Blood Orange yeah Blood Orange was amazing it was an easy read um it's basically about a lawyer um who is going through a turbulent time in her marriage um I don't want to give too much away because it's a very twisty turny book so do you know when you're like every different chapter's like okay something else is happening so I don't want to give too many details away but it's kind of her at the same time as having troubles with her marriage she um is uh, dealing with a case of a woman who um who murdered her husband in cold blood 
and it's kind of it kind of unfolds from there and it was very gripping and um, don't expect it to move mountains when you read it but if you do want something which will grip you and is a swift read it's definitely one to recommend any other books that you want to mention I feel like you've been reading quite a bit that is actually literally uh, where I've been dedicating a lot of my time because yeah I need I just needed to and I was getting really down and out on myself about just being in a bit of a lull with reading and there were so many great books I had on my list um so yeah I've just been like speeding through them one book I am reading at the minute and I want to talk to you about it because I think you've watched the series is so I'm halfway through reading Little Fires Everywhere um loving it really really loving it not um I wouldn't say you know like I can't put it down um but every time I pick it up I'm definitely um getting more and more into it and I think um the character development in the book is like second to none it's absolutely amazing so I feel like I'm investing in the characters um how are you finding the series because I wanted to read the book prior to watching the series um I, I finished the series yeah I binge watched it a bit and it, it was great I, I sort of um to mirror what you said when I was watching the series I sort of was imagining that the book would probably be it would make more sense in a book there was a lot of bits that felt not that it would make more sense but there was a lot of bits that felt very bookish if that makes sense I've not articulated yeah. that well at all but um a lot of the twists and turns felt very as though it had come from a book um but yeah I think Reese Witherspoon is really great at taking um books and um, imagining how they can sort of um, how she can convey it on screen and I think you know we saw it with Big Little Lies yeah and I think she's actually bought the rights to where the crawdads sing as well she's got such a talent hasn't she for reading something yeah. and it's like she's very good at telling the stories of women as well and um, yeah yeah she is layers and um, yeah she is sort of multifaceted characters um so yeah, it, it was great. I, I feel like I don't really have like much of a, I, I don't want to say too much in it because I don't want to spoil it. But um, yeah, ultimately it's about um, motherhood, isn't it? Um, and I guess like different forms of it and class plays a really big part in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, class, race issues, um, stereotypes. Um, yeah. It's strange because with the book, I'm finding all the characters like quite likeable. Even the ones I don't think you're supposed to like, I'm I'm I, like enjoying them as characters. Mm -hmm. um, so although I've not finished that book, I would recommend it and then make like me or like Alice and then go and watch the series as well. Yeah, I guess. Well, um, don't be bad if you just want to watch the series because to be honest, I mean I've been like that recently. <laughs> I'm just like oh, I'll just watch the series. Um, or half the time I actually don't even know until the end that it is a book. I didn't realize that. Um, I knew Little Fires Everywhere was. I didn't know Big Little Lies um, was a book when I watched that. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that ruins it a bit in itself, doesn't it? Because then you've got such big expectations for the book. I feel like there should be a element of, um, like, if you're going to adapt a series, you have to say at the beginning, based on a book. <laughs> no, but it is true. And it's like I was saying before, it's what came first, the chicken or the egg. Do you watch the book before you read to watch the book sorry do you read the book before you watch the series and I think it just really depends and yeah I think sometimes I've done it before I've watched series and I'm like do I really need to then sharp object sharp objects was one for me um amazing series so atmospheric and dark and 
moody and just like anything else that isn't it's it's really unique that series I feel yeah it is and as soon as I watched um that series I immediately thought right must read the book um correct me if I'm wrong anyone but is it the same writer who did Gone Girl I feel like I might have got that wrong um but I just a little girl on a train girl on um definitely not girl on a train I think it's gone girl then yeah and so I thought oh yeah I'll definitely read the book and I just never did because I just I don't know I enjoyed the series so much I was like it's fine it's not a priority it's just not a time to consume everything is there unfortunately so I feel like that's why it's good you know to have friends that have read the book whilst you've watched the series and then you can have a conversation then and it makes it more interesting I think yeah completely and like yeah because um Joe my boyfriend he's not a reader at all and he really struggles with with reading and so I guess that's the beauty of adaptations is they just make it accessible to everyone because there's no shame in not reading and I feel like there's a lot of stuff there's been a lot of you know, an influx of people reading and stuff. And um, I think a lot of people feel pressure or they feel left out if they don't consume um, literature in that way. Um, and it isn't that there shouldn't, it doesn't need to be there at all. Um, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of having a load of, I get really excited about titles and I buy stuff on Amazon at like half 11 at night when I'm in bed. And then they come and then I never make the time to read them. So I definitely need to. Um, I'm terrible for it. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, I, I get through the books that I read in the year mainly on holiday or if I'm traveling. I tend to read like five books in a week or within this short amount of time. And then I don't, it's trying to, it's trying to find that balance within everyday life to sit down and switch off and, and read. Um, but yeah. yeah. And same goes for like watching series and like I was saying before, like I'm catching up on things that I've missed out on because there's, in every in normal life I'm using little bunny rabbit ears it's you can't do it all can you it's impossible it's like juggling um a million different things at once which I guess is the beauty of using lockdown to expand your repertoire of what you've watched and what you've been reading but I guess away from um but yeah, I feel like we've been trying that for a long time <laughs> a long term um so wellness and what have you been doing as a little ritual or a little hobby that has just been keeping you feeling um, like you're doing it, you're having a bit of you time? Um, I feel like the rest of Instagram, I have been... Baking banana bread? <laughs> Baking banana bread, Christ, yeah. I did <laughs> a few things of banana bread. Um, I also mastered an apple crumble, which... I don't know why I shied away from it for so long because it's so easy. <laughs> now I will never buy an apple crumble ever again, a pre-made one, because <laughs> it's so easy to make it yourself and it tastes so much nicer. Did you never uh, make it in home ec? Uh, I don't think I did, you know. I don't think we ever did a crumble. Probably because it's so easy. They were just like, no, you can learn it yourself. Uh, um, <laughs> you say that, but my first ever home ec lesson in year seven was making a sandwich. You're joking. Oh boy, sort of sandwich and you had to layer like protein and salad and all Your, It sounded a lot more technical than it was than ours was. <laughs> I also set fire to my um, DT room, my food DT room uh, in school because I, I overcooked a gingerbread. Let's just leave it there. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, um, so you've made an apple crumble. So you've been, ba- you've been taking on board some bacon. <laughs> 
you said that like you felt really sorry for me. So you've you've made an apple crumble. <laughs> I tried to make it bigger than it was, which is why I was like, and you've been taking on baking. You've been expanding your baking. Yeah, I did that. I really want to. I've really wanted to bake. You know, like these big, gooey, amazing American cookies that everybody's um, been cooking. I think the Anna Edit um, shared them on her blog, and everybody's been baking them. But I've not done that. I made. I am. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, her book she's brought out a pastry book which is where I got the um recipe for my cookies from and now I feel really bad if I don't name check her because she's a very cool lady um and I can't multitask right now you so. google that and I'll I'll chat away yeah. <laughs> um, so I baked an apple crumble as I've said for too many times now <laughs> I'm just waiting for some sort of certificate in the post actually so uh <laughs> So the person that I made the cookies from, sorry to interrupt you, but whilst it's here, is Ravneet Gill. And she's got a book out at the minute called The Pastry Chef's Guide. And she's just like absolutely top. Go and check her Instagram out because she, she's been doing like live baking things. I've seen a lot of people doing things with pastry. Um, that sounds dodgy, but <laughs> a lot of people think, is it that, is it called Just Roll? <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know, I, so... Oh god, I was gonna sound like a baker, a baking snob then, and go. Um, I make my own pastry, thank you. <laughs> I think. Sorry, I just thought I'd put that name in there. Carry on, Alice. You've made your apple crumble. We've established. I thought you were gonna make a point about pastry, though. Were you just gonna say that you made your own? Was that it? No, I just wanted to name check. Um, I right. made them American style cookies with her and they're the ones where you make the balls you put them in the fridge and then they're um you can keep them in your fridge for 30 days and literally you you oven bake them as and when you want a cookie and they are delicious or you can freeze them as well i'm expecting you to have those ready for when i next come round because I keep promising them to loads of people <laughs> just to see like I, I made a batch and then just ate them all myself. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, I will. I'll make them for you because you'll love them. Um, other than that, I've just been cooking a lot more. I think. I mean, I, I, yeah, in I different know. with different levels of enthusiasm. I feel like, um, at the beginning, like a lot of people, I think everyone was eating quite a lot of crap <laughs> and just <laughs> yeah. junk food, and it was sort of like Christmas food. a bit. Like, oh, we're stuck indoors. Let's eat loads of junk because this is scary, and what's happening is obviously serious and you know, I think I was definitely sort of comfort eating and eating a lot of things that probably weren't, were questionable and beige. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but then once that sort of got a bit boring, um, I started cooking a lot of vegetarian things, actually, mainly because, I mean, we cook a lot of vegetarian stuff anyway. I do. Sam eats a lot more meat than me. Um, but um, we couldn't get hold of a lot of stuff, like even chicken and things like that. I think because we live in a city centre and we don't have a car, we could only walk to the shops that were close to us. And a lot of times things were sold out and like a lot of veg and stuff was sold out. So it was quite, I feel like we've had to come up with a lot of new recipes and things like that which has actually been good because it's made me I don't know about you it's made me realize how much I relied on Deliveroo living in a city and how many meals during the week that I would eat out in town which yeah. is ridiculous. yeah so me and Joe were like um we out quite a lot normally and um I would say um I'm I like baking but I'm not much of a cook normally and neither's Joe and we were doing these big food shops and we were kind of like oh these are really expensive and then we thought about it and we're like 
but every time we go out to eat we're spending about 50 pounds there so actually no this isn't expensive so yeah exactly the same like um I think it's just when you do a big expensive food shop it's a commitment isn't it because then you're like well I've got to commit to cooking all these meals now (laughs) otherwise it's wasted so you've basically got to adult haven't you (laughs) so yeah no I'm with you on that I think it's definitely opened my eyes to how reliant I was on eating out or takeaways. It's made me consider as well, like, waste and stuff, because we haven't wanted to go out to the supermarkets and stuff, obviously, because it's a bit anxiety-inducing. Um, it's a completely different experience going out to the shops now. Um, and it's understandable why people want to do it less and less. Um, but it's made us consider, like, what we're wasting and freezing more things and really being a bit more aware, which is good, and I hope that, everyone who's been doing that is going to carry that on post coronavirus um, yeah it's a positive thing I think yeah and sort of take stock in um you know I know we're all probably sick to, to death of our living spaces at the minute but just take stock in it really and like appreciate that yeah you don't always you don't have to go out all the time you yeah you can do can do nice things within the four walls of, of your house in terms of like uh, mental health is there anything that you've kind of like been actively doing to kind of keep yourself feeling um upbeat motivated happy um I feel like a lot of people when this first happened and we first went into lockdown I really felt my thoughts spiraling out of control a lot I felt very anxious I felt for the first time in years, like really heavy pains in my chest to the point where I kept convincing myself that I had coronavirus and I spoke to a lot of people who've had the same. Yeah. But it was really this like physical reaction to what was going on. And I think a lot of an- people who suffer with anxiety and depression and stuff, a lot of that, a lot of that stems from feeling um, out of control as well in some element of your life. And I think coronavirus is obviously a global health pandemic and it was this sense of being out of control in a whole new way that yeah. was obviously I hate to use the word unprecedented but there's that word again um and at first I just really felt out of control with it and I didn't know what to do I didn't know where to place myself I couldn't concentrate on anything um and then I felt bad for that because I felt like I wasn't being productive and I just wanted to help and I didn't know how to do that and then slowly just sort of slipped into a rhythm of doing the bits of work that I can um I haven't exercised half as much as I should have I have got my bike back up from home so I've been starting to do that more recently um amazing um but yeah and I think actually I felt a lot better mentally since they've said since the government have said that we can go outside now and sit in the parks but the the couple of months before that were really I found quite tough um not gonna lie I, I did find it really difficult especially when it was hot and sunny because we're in a flat and I mean I'm definitely recognize my privilege in the sense that we're not in a high-rise building and we do have lots of greenery around and there's places to walk that aren't busy we're not bang in the city center even though we are central um but it was still tough um adjustment and I think as well one last thing I was going to mention is um I'm used to having this space in the flat as my own to work in and suddenly Sam is in this workspace working from home. Um, and we've had to sort of learn to work around each other. And, you know, it'll be a case of him being like, oh, get out the kitchen. I'm just about to get on a Skype call. And so it's kind of working that around what's happening around your relationship, your workspace. And then 
you're missing your friends and your family um yeah, I think it's it's been quite um uh, not unsettling is not the right word but I think it's definitely kind of mixed things up hasn't it because um home comforts and things which you just take for granted like your relationship or or you know the way in which you work like we work from home you mm. just take them for granted and it's just really changed the format hasn't it so it's like I think it's very testing for relationships I think for work it's extremely testing mm. as everyone knows um and yeah I, I think it's I feel like when it first came about everyone was doing this frenzied thing of like quickly do as many new hobbies as you possibly can and like and I think now we're kind of like re we're sort of establishing the new normal and just kind of like just trying to get sort of navigate our way through each day yeah like um, I, think, I think people need to give themselves a fucking break to put it to put it uh um bluntly um I think I've realised that, you know, I want to look back at this time and think that I did actually slow down because we're not going to get this time back again. And for most, for a lot of people, um, yeah, it's time that we're not going to get again to sort of reassess how we need to live differently, um, to reassess our relationships, what make what makes us happy, like how happy are we in work and um, the lifestyles that we lead and how we glamorise being busy all the time and... Um, as much as it is as well, especially as women that's one big thing that's such a problematic culture of like quickly have everything Pro prove yourself and it's like that doesn't have to be the case at all it's just like changing what we prioritize I think you're right though I think a lot of people will probably come out of this and be reevaluating their careers or um uh, you know a, a lot of different aspects in in life um people will have to because they you know sadly the, the, the rise of unemployment and things like that and people being furloughed it's obviously you know we're lucky I guess that um our jobs always sort of stop start the nature of being a freelancer we were sort of set up for this anyway there is you know we've both experienced periods where we've not worked and um as much as that is tough on your mental health anyway and being a freelancer is tough on your mental health I do feel like there was a lot of things that we've been practicing for years that have helped us in this situation as well completely because I, I found that I kept getting asked um uh with completely good intentions by friends and family like are you going to be okay with work like what's going to happen like your work is just going to stop and it's like well you know that that ha that happens with freelancing you know yeah. you have busy months and you have you have quiet months and it's just I think we've just had to kind of roll with it haven't we um I mean it will be interesting to see I mean because work has massively slowed down for most people I think in the industry um in the fashion industry it'll be interesting to see I mean how it recovers from this and you know what brands are planning to do with summer collections and whether they've got winter collections I mean I know the fashion world's always ahead anyway um it's so long I mean, that's what I mean it'll be interesting to see I, mean, I guess we all feel a sense of um uncertainty about what the next couple of years are going to look like as well even post coronavirus when thing we're allowed to mix again as normal and go out to the shops and things like that um it, I think there's going to be we're in this sort of for the long haul and for hopefully better a better and improved world at the end of it all um hopefully I think as well like I, I don't know if you've been like this but 
when lockdown first happened, all I wanted was light at the end of the tunnel and to know when it was over. And now at the other side of that, I find the idea of going back to normal so foreign and almost yes. as scary as lockdown was in the beginning. Yes, I, I, I started to try and write about this the other day and then I was just like, I felt like because it is such a new feeling, I, I didn't really even know how to put it into words, but definitely a sense of being between two minds, wanting normal back, whatever that was. And then also being terrified of things going back to normal because I think what this whole period in time is um, highlighting is, again, how how many things were wrong with the world and the way we were living and the fact that things, we don't need to go back to normal. We need a better normal. We need a new normal. Like you said, it's, um, it, it is, I guess we do just have to make peace with the fact that it's all uncertain right now, isn't it? And we can't control anything and um, we have to sort of just go day by day. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't sound, um, you know, self-indulgent to say oh you know use this time to kind of like not find yourself but like <laughs> use this time wisely because you know there are key workers out there who are who are still um doing amazing things every day and and I'm not I'm not discrediting that so I hope it doesn't sound self-indulgent to be like oh enjoy enjoy the free time but yeah, yeah I definitely found um solace in kind of taking stock on what I have and even from like I've taken up gardening that's been something which has been such a huge help to me mm. especially after you were saying about living in a flat like I appreciate that you know not everyone has outdoor space um I think going for walks and fresh air I know that sounds really obvious but yeah. who knew like my mum was saying this the other day she she was actually saying that everything's been so weirdly beautiful this year and she wasn't sure whether it's because you know when you're on your one walk of the day or you know we're allowed to be outside as much as we we want to now um you're just looking at everything way more closely but she was just like the nature and the flowers and I found myself as well being that person that's taken iPhone pictures of flowers <laughs> and then I'm like what am I doing <laughs> no, honestly I am that person now so like I started on our, our garden before had like barely anything in it um you could tell like the old couple who'd had the house before as were avid gardeners so there was a few like there was a rose bush in there um and there was like hydrangea a hydrangea bush um so I've like been restoring it from scratch aside from that and everything's in bloom now and so like now I'm just like in the garden like smelling the flowers and like taking pictures but it's true it's like yeah I, I think it there's some there's definitely something to be, be said in the fact that we've all slowed down and we are being more appreciative of everything around us without sounding airy fairy and and uh, I think as well just realizing how much of the things that we do are unnecessary in a way like all the unnecessary travel and you know, you think about the businessmen that fly to different cities and different states and stuff to, to go to a meeting. And it's like, well, we've shown how much can be done on Skype now and how much, how, how unnecessary a lot of these um, sort of, all, a lot of the business travellers. Um, so I don't know, I, I do hope things, I mean, I think as a pessimist, my fear is that things will just slowly go back to normal and these, and this time, what we've learned in this time will be overshadowed again by greed and capitalism 
and then the optimist in me really really hopes that we're gonna create a better a better living environment a better world and we're gonna learn from it but yeah I'm definitely like you say in between in between two minds right now in terms of where I see things going and all in all it we completely we're completely aware that it has such a huge effect on on people's mental health so you know it's it's so important to um go easy on yourself yeah and um yeah be gentle with yourself I think there is like we were saying before there is a lot of an influx of what people are doing online and how they're spending this time and how they're utilizing this time to create a new business or become a painter and I think build a house yeah and I think you know if you're just getting up each day and doing the best you can that's all you can do right now and we need to be very um mindful that this is um you know these are extreme circumstances and that we're living under and we have to be gentle with ourselves and not put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect productive human beings because we were doing that enough of that before all this happened so now's the time to really just slow down if you can and and again we recognize that um, there might be frontline workers that are listening to this and that's not an option for you and we just want to say thank you thank you massive thank you to all the frontline workers um from literally from the bottom of our hearts like commend everything you do every day yeah and yeah it's just unimaginable like what um especially like the NHS workers will have had to work through and yeah just a huge thank you and we're just in awe of everything that you do true superheroes um and yeah I feel like we've come to a natural end that was lovely Hopefully, I mean, this is the first time we've recorded in a while, so I reckon we're probably a little bit rusty on things. Um, but hopefully, you guys like where the new series is going. Yeah. If you think there's anything we've missed out, you know, give us the heads up. It's just going to be a super chatty, um, a super chatty thing every week or a couple of weeks. In fact, we might actually get find that series two moves along quicker than it would if we were um, setting time aside to meet up in real life and do this um because we are at home more so we've got no excuses no excuse yeah um so we just hope it'll be um a nice and safe place for you guys to come um and yeah thank you for listening and thank you to everyone that's messaged us asking for series two as well that's been really lovely that um you guys have been um noticed our absence i guess there was one just the other day and I was like wow thank you. <laughs> you were the one person that listened to series one thank you <laughs> Thanks, Mom. and um, we'll see you in the next one take care of yourselves and lots of love bye